You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for an episode at least three days late, uh, as we have now passed the release of John Wick Chapter 3, and we're finally here to talk about John Wick Chapter 2, and you can probably already hear some whining in the background. Uh, It's not me, it's not Jamie, it is one if not two babies, because when we last left you... We were 24 hours away from going to the hospital so Jamie could give birth to these uh, twins, and now they're here. And why are you? He's sucking on her face right now. So this is another unique episode, but again, just showing the dedication of how much we love John Wick that we had to finish this one. Uh, So John Wick Chapter 2 is up today, and uh, we can actually talk a little bit about John Wick 3 during this as well. So let's get into it. My name is Colin, and I'm also not very good at retiring. My name is Jamie, and tell them, tell them I'll kill them all. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like hearing you say that while you're holding two babies. Uh, <laughs> hey, I know how to multitask. Remember, you need a microphone in order to speak. You can multitask, but you can't talk into a microphone. I know how to multitask. All right, so we're going to give this our best effort. Now, um, we did want to get this up. We even were prepared to record it uh, in the hospital if we had to, but... Uh, as much as we prepared for twins being this much work, um, they've definitely turned out to be about 10 times as much work as we thought. So we often have about five minutes a day, and we actually just finished John Wick Chapter 2 now. I've already seen John Wick Chapter 3, uh, and we still got another toddler upstairs, so there's a lot going on here. Oh, he's not a fan of John Wick. I should have named you John Wick. We talked about that, didn't we? We named them John and Wick? No, I actually came downstairs and I said, what would you think about using even a middle name as Wick? And then you told me the reason why not. Yeah, Jamie didn't understand why having Wick as a middle name might be a negative thing. You have to you have to explain that uh, with Casey, one of his middle names is Bond. And so I was saying, well, with Remy, I said, can we do something like Wick for like John Wick? Because honest to God... I don't think until I die, I'm probably going to find a movie that I love so much, a movie series. I know I haven't seen the third one, but oh my goodness, the first and second one, best things I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Now, let's go back to this Wick story, because this is the good part. (laughs) So, Jamie comes on. This is just after we recorded last week's episode. Uh, We're getting ready to get stuff ready to go to the hospital and stuff like that. What would you think about using Wick as a middle name? And I'm like, no. And she's like, "Uh, well, why? I'm like, "Um, because it's an innuendo for a penis. And she's like, no, it isn't. Yeah, I I didn't believe you. No, she totally didn't believe me. And then she's like, people are going to think of it like a candle wick. And I'm like, um, no, most people are going to think that means penis. And then she's like, you're lying. And so I'm like, go on Google. She Googles wick. And what's the first thing that comes up? Something about dipping your wick. (laughs) So, uh, point taken. In other words, sex. Yeah. So, uh, wick was out as a middle name. But we love John Wick. Uh, which is why we're here, and uh, we're going to hope that these babies are quiet and sleep. I can hear me yawning. This is how exhausting life with twins is, plus a toddler, uh, plus Jamie. They're all exhausting. I think I think Casper's in his own category, not just a toddler. Yeah. He's literally in his own category. Yeah, our three-year-old is his own category. I mean, he, he is the John Wick of toddlers, just minus the killing. Uh, he, he's like a tornado. He is. Uh, so anyways... 
We wrapped up John Wick 1, and uh, here we are, John Wick 2. Now, it didn't take long after the first movie came out for them to announce that a sequel would be coming. Uh, And I I even talked about the end of the last episode that I didn't necessarily finish John Wick 1 and be like, we need a sequel out of that. Uh, But they apparently had planned on it. They set it up because they're like, we want to do more with this character. And then I go down again. All right. I apologize. Uh, (laughs) So... Uh, the sequel, there's talks of it already. I didn't even know what to expect of it, except when they eventually announced that it would be called John Wick Chapter 2, they explained the reason is is because this is a direct continuation, not even a direct continuation of the story in the first one. They said it is just going to be a literal second chapter where this movie's going to start and you're going to realize this is still one story, so much more so than even something like the Star, Star Wars movies are or... Uh, you know, the, the Hunger Games, where it's like, okay, well, this is the next story, but it's continuation. They wanted this to be... <sighs> what do we take a break and come back after a nap? Uh, they wanted this to be the second chapter in one long story. And I can't think of many other franchises that really have done this, because uh, this picks up, I don't know, what would you say, minutes after the first one ends? Yeah, it's pretty much like... You could put both back to back. Yeah. And uh, I remember just being really excited by that idea. And of course, Keanu Reeves coming back because I thought John Wick was the best thing he'd done in years. Uh, and uh, the, the first big announcement was when we mentioned at the end of the last episode, the movie, the first one was directed by these two co-directors, David Leach and Chad Stahelski, uh, who were stunt coordinators. And Chad Stahelski was actually Keanu Reeves' stunt double for years. He was the Neo stunt double in the Matrix movies. So Keanu had worked for them, and he pushed for them to do this movie. Ah! What's that guy's name? Chad Stahelski? That's the guy who's the double? He was Keanu's double. And so him and David Leach directed the first one, and um, I don't know what the reason is. Uh, David Leach decided to walk away from John Wick, and he went on to do Atomic Blonde, which we saw. Now, you know who came out on top on that one? The guy who said... I don't think I need to do a sequel. Um, I'm going to go off and do Atomic Blonde. Or the guy who said, I'm going to stick with John Wick. John Wick. Obviously. Uh, David Leach, of course, also went on to do uh, the second Deadpool movie. So he's had some success. But Stahelski basically just took over as the sole director on this one. And there is a lot more visual style in this movie than we get in the first one. The first one was very gritty and uh, real world looking. The second one, very glossy, very... Are you looking up to see if he looks like he could be Keanu's stunt double? Yeah. I could see it, I guess, from far away, maybe, but... Squint, and you'll notice. Uh, So, anyways, this movie comes out just under a year and a half, or maybe right around a year and a half. Be quiet. We're talking about John Wick here. What are you motioning for? I was going to say, pause it for a second, let me feed them. All right, we're going to pause and come back after a feeding, and after I've taken a nap, uh, you will hear no interruption whatsoever, except I'm going to come back and yawn less, and you hear less whining. And we're back. How seamless was that? Uh, I just want to say, as unprofessional as this may sound, uh, the episode quality, not what I'm about to say, uh, we deserve a podcasting award for what we're able to pull off right now. <laughs> I wish people could see this. Jamie has two babies in opposite directions on her lap with two bottles in their mouths right now. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be fun. All right, so let's uh talk a little bit about this experience of seeing this. There's not much to really talk about. I mean, the movie's only you know two years, a little over two years old. Came out in February of 2017. Uh, we were there opening night. I don't know how much you remember about that. That was my we, Valentine's Day. 
It was. It came out just after Valentine's Day, so that was Valentine's Day. Let's go see John Wick. Uh, we dropped off Casper. We went to go see the movie. I walked out of that movie, and you're like, okay. You were like, oh, that was such a good movie. And I walked out, and I said, that is the Godfather Part Two of action movies. That is the Terminator 2 of action movies. That is the greatest action sequel ever made. Um, what were your feelings when you saw it the first time? Do you even remember? I don't remember my feelings, but I would just say ditto. I know that's probably not the best for like podcasts because obviously you want me to elaborate more. But honestly, it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, you watched John Wick 1 way more than you watched John Wick 2. Uh, yeah. Is that partly just because of the availability of it on Netflix? Like if, if you had to pick between these two movies, which one do you prefer? It's kind of hard. I like them both pretty much the same. I think they bring different things to the table. Um I like both probably evenly, and that's saying a lot because I love them. Mm-hmm. This one is definitely... Enough that I was willing to name one of my children after John Wick. You were willing to name it after a penis. Let's get it out there. Um, let's get into the movie here. So, literally, it picks up minutes after the first one ends. The first movie ends... kind of reminds you of the, the... Remember, you need to tell me when you need to speak into a microphone. Sorry, I got two babies on my lap here. Kind of reminds me a little bit for the continuation aspect of it, um, of that, um, can't remember, but as soon as I say it, you'll remember that James Bond movie. Well, Casino Royale to Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like that. I mean, the first movie ends, you know, with John Wick walking away, um, you know, after he's beaten Vigo and he patched himself up in the veterinarian clinic, he got a new dog, uh, and he just sort of walks away. The next movie starts the same night, minutes later, and it's basically a car chase. We're in the middle of a car chase. There's a motorcycle crash. Uh, There's John Wick driving a different car. I think this is the car that he was gifted after um, What's-Her-Name tried to kill him in the Continental in the first one. Mm, No, it wouldn't be that one because he smashed it up in his fight with Vigo. Yeah, so this is a different car. Uh, So... Uh, huge car chase and another one of the things I remember telling people after I saw this I'm like the opening car chase alone is on level with everything you see in the first movie and it's in the middle of New York City there's bright lights everywhere like just the look of this movie is radically different from the first one and not in a bad way at all this is what I was talking about it's it's more glossy it's more flashy uh, it's more stylized Uh, we could spend all day just doing a blow by like no joke we could do an all day podcast just blow by blow shot by shot and when I mean blow by blow and shot by shot I mean punch by punch and gunshot by gunshot of everything that happens in these movies Uh, we're not going to do that but there are a couple of highlights I want to talk about here you keep motioning you want a microphone now thank you well, I'm trying to be polite because he told me to let you know rather than trying to just talk. Okay. I was going to say, I don't know if you found this, but I'm this type of person sometimes when I'm watching a movie that I actually really try to put myself there like it's real life, everything that's happening in the movie. No, and, and just try to imagine, well, h- how would I react if this actually was the way that the world was? And it was funny because I was thinking about that with like all the stuff with the homeless people. How they, they're basically... With Lawrence Fishburne and his crew, right? Yeah, how they're basically actually all these people undercover pretty much. And it's like you'll never see homeless people the same again. <laughs> yeah, every time you walk down you know, a dark back alley and there's somebody begging for a quarter. Panhandling, yeah. yeah. Panhandling you know, on a street corner, you're going to think to yourself like, 
they've got a gun under there, some gold coins, uh, a lot of connections with the mafia. Exactly, yeah. I don't know. I, I thought that part was actually kind of interesting. What she's saying is don't help the homeless, fear them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so the whole idea here is that he's going after his car and he's taking out the rest of this Russian mafia and they're cutting back and forth. Uh, did you recognize the guy here that plays Vigo's brother? Because we get introduced to Vigo's brother in the opening sequence here. Isn't that the guy that's on that show, the airplane show? The what? The, the guy with the accent. What airplane show are you talking about? The one with, there's like the hot blonde lady. And I think there's like a gay black guy on there or. I have absolutely no idea what you're talking no, about. That, that show on TV, it's like L.A. to whatever. Oh, okay. L.A. Oh, yeah. L.A. to Vegas or something like that. But it was a sh- But isn't that the same guy? No, the, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I completely forgot that show existed. That was a... There's something we should do for a random rewatch one of these days. Uh, short-lived TV show last year about an airline that just runs from Los Angeles to Vegas... Dylan McDermott, one of my favorite actors, plays like the sleaziest pilot ever. And yeah, this guy, Peter Stormare, who, who's more well known as the silent guy from Fargo, the first Fargo movie. Uh, he also was in Armageddon. He was in The Lost World. He's the guy that gets eaten by all the compies in The Lost World. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I remember that now. Yeah. So he's introduced and he's Vigo's brother, which you only really find out through exposition throughout these scenes that he was the real big boss. You know, Vigo kind of worked for him. He was the older brother. And they're just packing everything up because they know John Wick's coming. Uh, and I love the same way they did in the first movie, uh, the fear that they have of him. And there's the one guy of Vigo's brother's henchman or whatever. Uh, he's saying, you know, uh, it's just one guy or whatever. And it's like, uh, John Wick has ki- killed everyone over a car and a puppy. Over his car getting stolen and a puppy. <laughs> uh, all these, and he says all the stories that you've heard about him have been watered down, if anything. Uh, so John Wick storms into the warehouses. They're trying to clear out. Uh, there's a great shot where he's got the car spinning and donuts, and there's just people, bodies flying everywhere. And eventually, you know, after killing everybody in this warehouse, he storms into Vigo's brother's office, and you think he's about to kill him. And instead, he just says, peace. He wants peace. Uh, and Vigo's brother agrees, and he, you know, lets him take the car or whatever. John Wick just sort of wanders home, and you think, okay, well, this is almost like the ending of the first movie. As much as I feel like this is a chapter two in terms of story, the movie does start with a new plot here, which we'll kind of get into. Um, he takes this beaten up, dilapidated car home. And uh, uh, one thing I did find weird was the dog food he has. Because the last time he left the house with his first dog, he says, we'll get you some food. To- we'll get you some kibble tomorrow. The dog died. John Wick went on a killing rampage. And all of a sudden he has dog food at house for a dog that's just coming to his house for the first time. Like he picked up this dog the night before. Uh, the next morning, Aurelio, John Leguizamo, comes back uh, with his, his car, and he's asking him if he can fix it or whatever, and he's running through all the problems with it. We find out that uh, he's the one who tipped him off where the car was. So the reason that John went after Vigo's brother is because Aurelio said, hey, you want to know where the car is? Vigo's brother's got it or whatever. Um, and he, he basically tells him, yeah, you know, the car is going to be ready by Christmas, 2030, <laughs> which is great. And this is really the only, we, we see Aurelio pop up one time at the end, but this is the only scene he has. But another thing that just keeps you interested, you wouldn't, you would think normally the things that you are excited about, nice burp there, Remy. Uh, 
You're not the first one to burp on this podcast. He's definitely your son. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, ah, ah, ah. how are we going to get through this? No, there's still more bottle left. I just had to burp them. Okay, good. <laughs> there's more bottle left for everybody. Uh, anyways, so, um, yeah, so even though you would think the reason you'd be excited for a sequel is, oh, I want to see what's going to happen next. I want to see if John Wick's ever going to get his life back. I keep watching these movies thinking, he still doesn't have his car. You know, <laughs> you finished the first movie and he didn't get his car back yet. The second movie, they're like, well, we'll fix the car and there's nothing of it. And I'll, I'll just spoil this now. We still don't see the car in the third movie. You know, there, there's there's still room to tell more stories later on. Um, the next morning, John wakes up and he gets uh, a visit at the door. And this is Santino, the main villain of the movie, which not quite at the level of Vigo and um, Yosef from the last one, but still a great villain. Uh, this guy's like pure scum villain and uh, really powerful. And the way he's introduced, you get a little bit more into what the. Yeah, you didn't like it, did you? Uh, you get a little bit more into. The whole secret society. That's what this movie, I think, really stepped up was this whole secret society uh, of assassins and the, the, the high table and all that. And he's introduced this thing called a marker, which we didn't know about in the first movie. We heard that John Wick got out by performing this impossible task, but apparently there was a second part to that where he was given what's called a marker, which is just a giant, what would you even call it, like a locket or something like that? Mm, yeah, I, I guess that would be the best way to... It looks almost like a, like a pocket mirror. Uh, yeah, like a, a small pocket locket mirror. A pocket locket. I was saying a rocket in your pocket. Is that a locket in your pocket, Mr. Wick? Uh, <laughs> there, There's a meme ready to happen. <laughs> is, that a, is that a rocket in your pocket? Do you want to dip your wick? Oh, uh, you should have gotten classy with three-time motherhood. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, I have three boys. Yeah, it, it's good to introduce the penis jokes at the age of one week. Uh, so this marker, you open it up, and there's basically a little pin, and you prick your finger, and you put your thumbprint in blood inside this locket in your pocket. Uh, and it's basically, all it is is it's really a favor. I'll do something for you, but then you. this marker means you owe me one. It's, it's an IOU, and it could be whatever you want. And Santino's like, hey, I hear you're back. And he's like, no, I'm actually retired. He goes, well, um, you're not, because you have to honor this marker. John does everything in his power to get out of it, and he's like, there are really only two things. Like, you, you have to, well, I think it's Winston who says later on, you know, you, you can't spill blood on continental grounds, and you must honor every marker. John refuses to do this, and they do a really good job setting up how important this is. And Santino's just like, thank you for your time, Mr. Wick. Uh, he eventually leaves, and uh, John Wick, you know, immediately thinks he's just going back to his regular day and Santino takes out a giant rocket launcher a bazooka rocket launcher and blows about 16 explosive holes in John Wick's house uh, essentially killing him Uh, we see John Wick escape I guess he had some type of secret passage and he got out to uh, the, the woods or whatever around his house with his dog so him and the dog are alive but Santino tried to kill him uh, then we get the cop, our favorite cop from the first movie, where we get essentially the same conversation they had the first time around, where he's like, hey, John, and they're sort of looking at the rubble of his house, and he's like, gas leak? Yeah, gas leak. You working again, John? He's like, 
All right, I'll see you later. Just walks away this time. Uh, John goes to the museum, which is kind of Santino's main... I'm not even looking at my notes here. Like, that's how many times I've... You've watched John Wick 1 this many times. This is how many times I've seen John Wick 2. I have... I've probably covered a third of my notes here, and I've looked at it once. Um, They show up at the museum, and this is where he really finds out what he wants. And maybe one of the all-time great Keanu Reeves lines, where Santino's looking at him, it's like, I can tell by the way you're looking at me. You're thinking about, you know, uh, what you would want to use to kill me. And Keanu's basically like, my hands. (laughs) How great is his delivery of that line? It's honestly just the way he says every line. Like, he's so cool. You know, and it was funny. Let's sidebar here for a second because Keanu Reeves was criticized for years for what they consider wooden. Whoa. Yeah, the woo, wooden, wooden. Uh, what was that? That was Joey Lawrence. Whoa! <laughs> That's Joey Lawrence. Keanu like, Reeves. That's definitely not Keanu. I don't know who <laughs> you're trying to channel. Uh, whoa, whoa. Uh, different whoa whoa that's the canaries whoa so uh for years he was criticized for this dry um monotone delivery he has for everything and it worked in the matrix movies because there was something kind of robotic about that uh bill and ted i mean he's hilarious in that he has so much more personality in the bill and ted movies but this is the way he delivers all of his lines in all of his movies and i've seen so much praise for it where people are saying it's not necessarily that Keanu Reeves is giving an Oscar-worthy performance all of a sudden. It's just they have written a role and constructed a role where his delivery works so perfectly for it. Like I don't know if you have any other comments on how good just his line delivery is for John Wick. He's not doing anything different than he normally does. It's just there's something about this character where you want to hear that monotone Keanu Reeves surfer guy delivery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's, I don't know, it's, you know, there's something about how every single character is talking about him, but it's not like they're trying to oversell it, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. even though everybody says these stories and whatever about him, it's done with such subtlety that it it really just works. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I did miss a scene here. I really should have looked at my notes because I, I combined the two scenes here. I thought they would play back to back, but um, he goes to the Continental first after his house is blown up and he's got the dog there. And Winston's basically saying like, John, like y- y- there's two rules is what I was saying earlier. You don't do business on company, like uh, the continental grounds and every marker must be honored. And he's like, you have to honor Santino's marker. Now you have to do what he wants you to do. And John's like, okay, fine. You talk me into it, Winston, uh, which I just want to say right now, we will do a review of John Wick three. I would do it right now myself, but you have to see this movie. Uh, Winston's role greatly expanded in the third movie, and easily one of my favorite characters this series. Now, I mean, he's he's up there at the level of like Yosef and Vigo for supporting characters, um, but uh, a lot of continental stuff in the third movie. And this the content the Winston continent continental plays such a small role in this movie. It's this one scene here. And then it reappears later in the movie. Very key later in the movie. But uh, are, are you missing not having, like, Sharon and Winston in the Continental in this one? Like, obviously we're going to get to go to a Rome. But is this one scene enough for you? Or were you disappointed that you didn't get more? Um, You know, honestly, I think that he's so good in the movies. Like, both of them are. That uh, I definitely could have used more. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the movies are called John Wick. But... 
the the side characters even are just so good that you do want to just see more. Mm-hmm. And they show you, you know, backgrounds of these different things, like even with Lawrence Fishburne and obviously Winston and these other characters too, that you just, you know, John Wick is so amazing, but you want to see more of these side stories too. Mm-hmm. You wish that there was more of that. Well, and that's one of the fun things about... I mean, A, they don't explain any of the characters. And when we get to John Wick 3, again, another tease for the review that's going to come if people haven't seen it, we get a little bit more background on where John Wick came from. But it, again, it's so subtle. And I like the idea that the stuff that would normally be set up, if this were a regular movie franchise, everything that would be told to you about all the characters would be done the first 15 minutes of the movie. They've taken three movies over the course of six hours and given us only the same amount. And, and I actually like that we get so little details about these characters then we don't even understand everything about the continental or this high table until the second and some of it even the third movie uh but but winston's role in this movie for the two scenes they have it's completely different than what i thought it was in the first movie uh which we're gonna get more later on but as john's gonna leave this hotel because he knows he has to do whatever santino wants now uh he's gonna ask if he could leave his dog there they said do you take the dog and sharon our, our favorite concierge um that you didn't know what a concierge was. <laughs> um, I asked her that earlier today. I'm like, oh, you know, you know, Sharon, the concierge. She's like, what's that mean? And I'm like, concierge, like, like the 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 desk guy at the hotel. <laughs> well, sorry, Colin. We didn't all grow up like even middle of the road or whatever, or like rich. Some of us grew up eating macaroni and cheese and ramen for every meal. <laughs> Wait, so because you grew up eating macaroni and cheese and ramen noodles, you somehow missed the multiple times in these movies where they refer to Sharon as the concierge at the Continental? And also hot dogs on regular bread instead of hot dog buns. So Jamie's running through the life of growing up on welfare budgets, which somehow prohibits her from missing when they identify the man as the concierge multiple times in these movies. And butter and bologna sandwiches, and also microwaving bologna until it's rock hard and eating it as a snack. This is disgusting. Oh, oh and hot dogs microwaving them until they're rock hard and eating them as a snack. You know what, like, I mean, we had periods in my life growing up where we had as little if not less money than you did. We didn't eat the crap you did. <laughs> We found some way to get nutrition. If anything, you do prove my point that you're you, being malnourished for your entire childhood has prevented you from missing the fact they identify him as a concierge several times in these movies. When I was working at my job, it was like the first year or two that I worked there. So it was like eight or nine years ago and I'm 30 now. And it was so funny because I honestly couldn't remember a time when I when I ate strawberries and had tasted them to know what they taste like. And it was like a year or two into working there, like I said, and somebody had strawberries that they were sharing. And I was like, I've never had a strawberry. And they're like, what the heck? Have you like lived under a rock? I'm like, no, my mom would just buy them and tell them that they were for herself and no one else was allowed to eat them. But she's probably fed me them before I just couldn't remember. And I'm like, wow, these are really good. So somebody's introducing you. You're the age of 21 and you're going to introduce a strawberry for the first time. Uh, you're like, wait, isn't that that stuff that comes in the syrup form and you pour it into your milk? <laughs> yeah, you eat a lot healthier than I do. Yeah, but, <laughs> but regardless, I love that I four times tried to bring the fact that you... 
think that because you grew up some poverty-stricken life that you don't know what a concierge was, that you still miss the fact they identify the man as the concierge several times in the movie. And another thing, too, as well, that you'll probably laugh at me for, it just shows how much healthier you are than I am when you're like, what, so what vegetables are we having this meal? And then we'll have, like, some type of sandwich or, like, a burger of some kind. I'm like, well, I'm having lettuce and tomato on it. And you're like, that's just one piece. And I'm like, yeah. but it still counts. Okay, so that's been, this is, well, we're completely off topic here. But um, <laughs> for years, I've always made fun of people where they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm eating a burger. Oh, it's healthy. I've got lettuce and tomato on it. Yeah, because if you just ate the burger on the bun and had a salad on the side with one leaf of lettuce and one slice of tomato, you'd be like, that's a healthy salad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> do you have any comment on the fact that you missed the, 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 the never mind the concierge thing anyways so he the, Sharon says you know oh as a policy the hotel doesn't take them but I would be happy to watch after him myself so uh, he leaves the dog with Sharon and <laughs> another one of those great lines that only Keanu Reeves can deliver where it's like does the dog have a name sir he goes no and just walks away and you don't even realize like he never named the first dog. He certainly didn't even name this dog. Like, is this dog ever going to get a name? No. What What do you think the dog's name was before John stole it? No, no, no. The first dog did have a name, if you didn't catch that. It, they had uh, they had an actual tag on the dog, like a name tag, mm-hmm. uh, a metal one, and it said Daisy with with a picture of a flower. Okay. Well, and, and, they don't speak its name, though. N- no, he Can did. John read... No, he did. He said Daisy, of course, or something like that. Because, uh. no, if you pay attention... Oh, uh, if you pay attention? Yeah. You don't know what a concierge is, but you're going to lecture me on missing the name tag of the dog in the first movie. Again, I didn't have the necessary foods to fuel my brain power. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, shut up. Listen. No, so if you pay attention, um, <laughs> you'll actually you'll see why that is um, through the series. So his wife that died... Yes, she died. Okay. Um, Isn't it like it's a spoiler? The first movie begins with her funeral. Anyway. Okay, she's dead. <laughs> so is the dog. Continue. Oh, why is that so funny? She's dead. Gee, what is wrong with you? Motherhood's supposed to make you, like, like cherish life. And you're like, the woman's dead. It's awesome. Anyway, so if you pay attention... No. Um, <laughs> Can you just leave that part out? Because that's what's cracking you up. <laughs> John pulls out a card. I think it's from the glove box of his card car. And on the card, uh, on the front of it, it's a bunch of daisies. And the card's from his wife. And you kind of learn that daisies were her favorite flower. And so then when he... I, no, listen! You know the favorite flower of the dead woman that dies in the opening scene. But you don't know what a concierge is. Well, it sounds so fancy and rich. How am I supposed to know? Concierge sounds fancy and rich? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't know, like, you know, bouquet and... Bouquet? Bou- and, and boudoir. <laughs> You're just saying French words now. Well, French people are very fancy. Are they? Yes. Okay. Can we get but, back to the movie? But, you know, honestly... I hear that French people eat like bread and cheese all the time, and, and wine. Although I don't drink, but yeah, and uh, microwave bologna. No, they they they're too fancy for that. But <laughs> but the bread and cheese, like honest to God, I could have a French diet and eat just bread and cheese. Yeah, wow, that's twice you've gone off on food, and we're talking about John Wick and Keanu Reeves here. 
Um, so John eventually goes find Santino, and uh, Santino eventually gives him after he gives him my hands, which is awesome. Uh, he says what his mission is going to be, which is to kill his sister. So we this is the first real mention of the high table. There's no mention in the first movie of the high table. We know that there's the Russian mafia. We know there's this Continental, and they, they mention these connections with other things like the Triad and all that. But this high table being like the governing body of all criminal organizations around the world, and that there's a council, like a, a, um, a, a committee. And uh, Santino's sister, why are you laughing? Is committee too fancy of a word for your tastes? It's like something that you hear of like a like a parent teacher committee or something. Why are you using that word? Committee? committee. <laughs> are you sure you, Jamie just stated uh I don't drink. <laughs> this is what motherhood does. It <laughs> kills brain cells. It makes you delirious from tiredness. Yeah. Oh, th- hey, there's a real plausible explanation there. Uh, anybody who wonders what's wrong with this episode, we are lacking a lot of sleep for about a week and a half straight now. Anyways, so he wants him to kill his sister. So his sister is going to be uh, elevated to the uh, the high table, which I don't know how many seats they have here. Like, is it six, eight, ten, something like that? It's a small number. Why are you looking at me like <laughs> like I farted or something? <laughs> Oh, do do they explain like is she already on the high table or you said no. elevated so okay so why is she getting elevated? somebody else obviously died or stepped down and she's getting that seat because oh, that's okay. her coronation that's coming up okay. santino wants it instead uh so he wants john to kill his sister and john's something like why don't you just kill her it's like well i want her dead but she is my sister and i love her i can't do that which is so weird uh, so his mission is you got to go to Rome for her coronation and you need to kill my sister. Just kill my sister good. Uh, we'll kind of stop there because after this he's going to jet right off to Rome. Uh, anything you want to add on any of this? She's dead. Okay, great. <laughs> Love your contributions here, Jamie. <laughs> One more thing really quickly uh, before we move on to the second act of the movie here. Um, we have introduced the henchwoman here, the deaf henchwoman. I don't know if she's deaf or... She just likes saying language better or something like that. But um, when she's introduced here, she gives a little bit of a search to John Wick. Did you appreciate her being able to cup John Wick's junk in her introductory scene here? I told you I gasped and I said, I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, does, this, does she have a name? Her, her name's, say? well, her name's apparently Aries, if you look it up online. Okay. Um, the actress is Ruby Rose, if you want to call her an actress. I know Ben's not a fan of hers at all. She... She's appeared in a lot of these B action movies in the last couple of years. Like, she was in the new Triple X movie, and I think she was in um, The Meg as well. Uh, she's just been cast as Batwoman in the, the new Batwoman TV series that's going to oh, be on okay. the CW, which they introduced in a Flash episode. Did you remember watching that? Uh, no, I don't remember. But so, what what's the name of Batgirl again? What's her actual name? The Batgirl or Batwoman? Aren't they the same thing? No, no, and different. One, one's just older. Uh, sure, I don't know. I don't know much about Batwoman. I read like no, one issue what, once. What was her name again? The Batgirl. Batgirl? That's Barbara Gordon. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Right. That's not who she's playing. She's playing Batwoman. But what's the difference? <laughs> one's a woman. One's a girl. I don't know. <laughs> well, wasn't there once like a Bat Boy and then a Batman? It was never a Bat Boy. No, a Bat Boy is somebody who works for a baseball team and like. You know, T-ball. 
But they're a Superboy and Superman. Right. See, that's different because they're the same person. You don't understand the rules of comic books, Jamie. Don't even try. I, I don't understand. No. Okay. Anyways, so uh, after this, we go to Rome. And this is uh, the first time John Wick leaves New York City. Because really, the entire first movie, when you watch all three of these movies in order, you realize how different the first one is just in terms that it all takes place in New York City. And here, they go to Rome. And this has kind of become the John Wick uh, formula here. Start out in New York City, go to some other country, which is what they do in um, John Wick 3. They go to Casablanca, and then come back to New York City, and then the next movie picks up exactly where we left off, back in New York City, and then I'm guessing part four or whatever is going to go somewhere else. Uh, so they're off to Rome for the coronation of, uh, I, I I can never remember her name, Santino's sister. What's her name? Oh, it's escaping me now. Uh, G- Gianna. Gianna, yeah. So it's her big coronation, which they have this giant outdoor party it looks like you know the the sweaty rave scene from the matrix except everybody's well dressed and not sweating um this is keanu reeves staple apparently and uh, uh oh we, we oh we forgot about the continental all that talk about the continental we, we forget the continental rome um so this is some really cool stuff not that the, the the owner of the Continental, I don't remember his name either, uh, or that we get the same type of things we did in the first one, but uh, we get all their special services because that's what the Continental is. It, it's, it provides services to assassins under the um, pretense of being regular things. So he yeah. goes in there and he's like, you know, uh, he walks into what looks like a wine room and he's like, I would like a tasting. And they start pulling out all these guns and th- they don't change the dialogue at all. So it's like, oh, here is the whatever. They're they're mentioning the names of the guns, but they're still pretending like it's a tasting, like a wine tasting here. Uh, this is all being intercut with him going to a tailor for a new suit. Uh, and this one, they play off like it actually is a real tailor thing. It's like, which style would you like, sir? Italian. Uh, how many buttons? Two. Uh, it's like, and uh, the, 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 the pants, tapered. It goes, and the lining. And Keanu just goes, tactical <laughs> that's like probably the famous line from this movie right well it's just it's just the way he says everything is so cool like i said before he he just he sounds cool but that, that's and, cool. and 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 like i said before it's the same thing it's just like it's so natural like you could easily um have someone do this and have it just seem so forced and yet even though it kind of is it's not and he just he's so great the reason it works is because they're not changing the delivery. The, the, the delivery is being played like this just, just everyday things. And whether it's here in these, you know, wine tasting rooms or uh, the, the tailor, uh, and it's all just for battle armor and weapons, um, or it's him talking to the, the cop, you know, you working again, John? You know, uh, no, just clean up. So It's all just like, yeah, this is everyday business. And that's one of the great things about this world is that it's this entire secret society where you realize that by the end of this movie, almost like a quarter of the world is in on this. You know, people everywhere know exactly what's going on. When you get to part three, you see even more. You know, he'll hop in a cab and the cab driver will take gold coins from him because they just all know. But this is just their regular everyday life. And that's what's so interesting here. Um the dessert, so he, he's like, uh, how about for a dessert? And he goes, ah, here's a selection of our finest cutler. And they pull out all these knives, these dangerous blades and knives. It's just, uh, this this sequence here is so great. Uh, but eventually then, as the, the coronation for Gianna is going on, uh, John Wick's down in the catacombs, which he was uh, viewed a map while he was um, getting ready with the tailor and all that. 
on these secret passages and catacombs underneath uh, her castle. And these look incredible. Now, another huge difference. Everybody listening to this right now is yawning throughout this episode. Um, But the first movie, it looked very gritty. It looked like New York City. Even the stuff at the Continental just looked like a hotel. Uh, The climaxes, you know, took place in a safe house. I mean, outside of Yosef's pool party, which I think was a little bit flashy. Like, this entire movie is just, let's make the locations look unbelievable. It looks like something you'd see out of, you know, a a big sci-fi movie, these catacombs. And John Wick's just planting his weapons everywhere here, which, again, somehow you miss that. Because only when he's coming back, you're like, oh, he hid a weapon there. I'm like... Did you miss the five-minute scene where he's hiding weapons everywhere in these catacombs? Apparently you did. I did. Yeah. Um, so uh, John eventually makes his way in there. Now as the coronation is going on, Gianna has to go tend to business with this this guy, Mr. What's his name, Mr. Akito, who she's doing some type of business with. And they never follow up on that. And I'm sorry to say a part two doesn't really follow, follow up on it either. You mean, it, you mean part three? Part three, yeah. So... Uh, in a way, I kind of like that these little things are introduced because you never know. It's like, hey, this may pop up in John Wick 6 or something like that. But it just it creates this whole feel that there's this world going on and you don't know anything about it. Uh, and John Wick's character, we've mentioned several times, that's one of the great things about it. So uh, as she's in her room and you know getting herself ready in the mirror, we also see her main henchman, Common. The um, You're familiar with Common, right? That's the black guy, right? Yes, yes the black guy, Jamie. <laughs> yes. like, like, you mean Lawrence Fishburne? No. Mr. Akito? No, that's... One a- of the many other black men in this movie? Oh, stop. <laughs> that's the one who... It's... No, 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 no. No, that's not... <laughs> yes, her henchman. I thought his name was Cassian. The, that's his character's name, but the 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 actual actor, Common, he's a, he's a rapper. Okay, well, no, I don't know his actual name. I just know his name in the movie. Okay, well, I thought you'd be familiar with who Common was. My apologies. Yeah, He's done I, a lot of movies. Yeah, I, I listen to a lot of rap. Colin. You don't have to listen to rap to know who Common is. Do you want to run through his filmography okay, Colin, here? See, I, Colin, I know two rappers. Do you know who they are? Who? Don't I, say Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer. Oh, no, so I know four. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know those ones. Okay, so I know those two guys. And then 50 Cent and Eminem. Wow, you are so white right now. <laughs> uh, let's run through the filmography here of um, no. Common, so you can see okay. how how uncultured you are. Okay, be, seen... Oh, if he's a rapper, how would I know no, him? I've seen him in All other right, movies. All right, so you've seen American Gangster. You own it. Yes. Street Kings. Have you seen that? That's a great Keanu Reeves movie. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, Street Kings is uh, uh, David Ayer, who also made Suicide Squad more recently. But his early movies were all these gritty crime cop dramas. And Street Kings is Keanu Reeves. It's Chris Evans. You'd love the movie. Mm. Uh, mm, that's what Wanted with uh, James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie. Terminator Salvation. Um, uh, what else are we do? Now You See Me. He's great in Now You See Me. Uh, Run All Night with Liam Neeson. He was in Suicide Squad. Um, Who was he in Suicide Squad? Monster T. Whoever that is. I don't remember. I've seen that movie several times. But yeah, he's a big actor too, Jamie. So you don't have to know rap to know who Common is. Okay. I knew the, I knew the character name though, did you? Yes! No, you didn't. But most of the people listening to this, if you say Common, they're going to know who Common is. I mean, I'm not I'm not into, you know, hip-hop in any way, but... No, you, if you... you like that, that song, like the the that song which song 
<laughs> See, that's the problem with rap. How do you hum rap? Jamie just proved no, a white person cannot hum rap. You know the song? Jamie, that's very monotone. I know, that's rap. That's rap to me. No, it's like that. That uh, What's that song? <laughs> Thanks for helping me out here. No, it's that song. Like the, the one... Um, you showed me the video for it with the rap guys in the background. I, I don't know if they're Canadian or not. Oh, the Rascals. Coming back with the Northern Touch. No, that's, that's the great Canadian rap song of all time, Northern Touch. Yeah. See, so I knew what it was. Yeah, you only know four rappers. And you couldn't name one of the guys from the Rascals, Chauclair, Thrust, and Cardinal Officiel. Um, <laughs> but you just knew the lyric. Okay, so now I know seven. All right. <laughs> And North, Northern Touch, eight. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's move on here. This is brief discussion on white people talking rap here. Uh, so That's racist. I'm very offended. You're very offended. You just talked about growing up eating fried bologna on cheese whiz bread and ramen noodles, and you have to get offended that I'm labeling you as very white? You, know, we, you are the whitest person I know. We had this conversation earlier in the car that my type of music that I listen to nowadays is just literally like all 90s stuff, so if I... Oh, wait, I, I know another rapper. Common was a rapper in the 90s, just so you're aware. Was he? Yeah. Oh. No, I know another rapper that I really like, actually, uh, a couple of his songs, anyways, Nelly. Oh. Uh, okay, you've gone too far now. Um, let's see. Let's. Would you know any of Common stuff? Uh, he's been around since 1992. I didn't realize he went back that far. That's there. You go, Jamie. He was big in your decade. Uh, let's talk about the coronation scene here. And when uh, uh, Jan is looking in the mirror, and all of a sudden John Wick just appears behind her. Uh, I, I everybody's reaction is always the same thing, thinking that he retired or whatever. But um, uh, she has a really great line here. Where um, she says something like, you know, uh, I I, uh, considered us at one time to be good friends, John. Because she knows he's about to, like, he doesn't say he's going to do anything. He just appears in the room. And she's like, all right, somebody's going to kill me. Well, because she says, like, he's the, like, emissary of death or whatever. Yeah, he's Baba Yaga. Did I say that right? Emissary? Yes, that's right. Or is it emissary? It's pronounced concierge, Jamie. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> He's the concierge of death. That's too fancy. Let's okay. call him an emissary. What? 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 What does concierge even mean? It means like the the, the it's the guy who basically the the face of the hotel, the front man of the hotel. Okay, of of just a hotel or what? Well, I, maybe they have concierges at motels. I don't know. See, you don't even know what it is. I just defined to you what it was. Let's Google it now. A caretaker of an apartment complex or a small hotel, tickly, tip, tickling, <laughs> tickling the tenants. <laughs> Tickle me mustache. Typically one living on the premises. A hotel employee whose job is to assist guests by arranging tours, making theater and restaurant reservations. The The, the, the front man of the hotel. Exactly what I just told you. These people, why would they look up a word like that? It's just so stupid. No one knows what concierge means. In France, they do, and that's where the word comes from. In New York City, apparently they do. If Keanu Reeves knows what a concierge is, Jamie, you have no excuse. Yeah, and you know what? In France, they don't have uh, they don't have a quarter pounder with cheese. They have a Royale with <laughs> Again, cheese. Again, proving how white you are. That your exposure, <laughs> your exposure to both French and black culture comes from Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. You know what? Hey, I have French on both my mom and my dad's side. Oh, so. please. 
I'm like half French. You're not, okay? You know no French whatsoever. You don't even know the words concierge. Um, I know lots of words actually by looking at the food uh, and stuff like that when I eat them. Like I know like mustard. Oh, yeah. Mustard is mutard. <laughs> okay, so let's give context for people not in Canada. Uh, in Canada, all signs and packages, whether it's a street sign, a billboard, uh, or uh, and it's the food packaging, has to have it written in both Canadian and. In French. So, yes, you know that grapefruit is pamplemousse. Pamplemousse. Yeah. I knew that. Yep. Yep. Moutard. And, yeah. And bananas is ananas. Okay. Uh, isn't that pineapple? You're uh, <laughs> <laughs> so good at French. No, I'm not sure. Okay. I, I know that uh, dog is shin and a cat is chat. Yeah. So... You know, when you go to take a shot, you go, okay. to, <laughs> you go take your cat for a walk. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> let's see, because now I'm stumped. What was... Uh, we, we learn it's banan. That's ban- French. Banan? So yeah. pineapple is ananas. Anana. And you should know that because there's a great Canadian... Uh, English slash French TV show they would show you in schools because you have to take French till, what is it, grade nine? Uh, it's like mandatory up until grade nine, and they would show us this show called Telefrancais, which was about a talking pineapple named what? Anana. There you go. <laughs> oh, oh, one more, one more really quick tidbit about French that some people might find interesting. I don't know. <laughs> Coming from the authority on French culture, because <laughs> sometimes if you break up the words, it actually is really interesting to see like what French people call things. Like, I don't know if it's just a Canadian thing or Americans have eggnog too. I, I think they probably do because it's, it's <laughs> everybody's a, got eggnog. It's, a, it's like in Christmas uh, vacation. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so, so, so Americans probably that, that, have all it. the stereotypes here. So anything American, let's say, if it was in a Chevy Chase movie, it's Americans. <laughs> No, but the so the French for eggnog is uh, what was it? It's um milk of chicken, and then yeah, because it's like um poulet de lait or okay. something. I gave you the opportunity to talk and about then, Keanu Reeves and his on. defining role, and you have done nothing but talk hold about on. food and eggnog. Hold on, this this is one last thing that's really quick and it's super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> With French, no. Pota- Set the bar pretty high, Jamie. No, pot- potatoes in French is called pomme de terre, and it means. You spat on me when you said pomme de terre. Pomme means apples, and terre is earth, and the, you put it together, they're apples of the earth. Yeah. Wow. No, how cool is okay, that? Okay, drop the notebook. We're done, John Wick. We're here on French lessons with Jamie. Pomme de terre. <laughs> pomme de terre. <laughs> Wow, um, we're going to have a lot of best of moments for our uh, end of the year show here. None of it's going to be about Keanu Reeves. Uh, Let's move on here. So she basically just knows he's going to kill her and says something. This is that. Oh, seriously, get back at the movie. My favorite movie in like the last decade, and I'm yawning through it. You're like making me yawn. Just stop it. All right, well, you're making me hungry. So (laughs) we're even. Pom de terre? Is that (laughs) what you're hungry for? I want some eggnog with my potatoes. Um, so when she says, you know, I once considered us to be good friends, John, and he says, I still do, you know, <laughs> he didn't say it like that. That's a little too much emotion. No, that that's a little bit like seductive. That's yes. a little bit like he's. Gonna- well, she does disrobe in front of him and jump into her giant 
bathtub or whatever it is. Well, like, come on, the woman's gonna die. She she <laughs> she wants to go out naked in well, a hot tub. Well, no, like she she might as well go out like feeling like a sexy broad. <laughs> that's of all people, that's your given. Not John Wick's in my room. I'm taking off my clothes and hopping in the <laughs> like, tub. Like if there's like somebody at my door, like you know, about to shoot me, you know, like. <laughs> So what if I take off all my clothes? Okay. Again, it would have nothing to do with John Wick being the guy at your door? Well, if it's Keanu Reeves, I'm sorry, Colin, but I'm taking off all my okay. clothes. anyways, let's move on. Um, John Wick doesn't even get to pull the trigger. She jumps in the bath, takes a blade, and starts slitting his her wrists. And he's like, why are you doing that? And she says, because, you know, I want to go out. Uh, it's my life, and I want to go out and die. I live my life yeah. on my terms. I want to die on my own terms. Ba- basically, what uh, the um, guy said in the first movie, what was his name again? Um, the guy with the scary face. Willem Dafoe? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Scary Marcus. Face. Yeah, he, he said the same thing. He goes out on his terms. Yeah. yeah, this is a thing in the secret world. Uh, but the great thing that never needs explanation is that after she slits her wrist and the whole bathtub just fills with her blood and turns red, John, emotionless, just walks up and puts one bullet in her head. Now, why did he do that? I think he would have done it to save her from suffering because he does actually no. still consider her a friend. No, see, this is where or, this is oh, where it's great oh, with no, the interpretation. No, no, no. Oh, no, wait, no, 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 okay. No, you know what, you think that at first, but no... It, it he would actually have to basically have proof that he did kill her. Otherwise, it, the marker isn't really yeah, complete. He needs the marker closed with Santino, so he pulls the trigger still. So John leaves. He goes up through the parties, exiting through all the guests, and he runs into who? Um, Cassian. Yeah, or otherwise known as Common. No, uh, Cassian. Fine, Cassian. Uh, and stop scratching your nose on my shoulder. <laughs> It's itchy. Okay. Well, now you got your boogers all over my shirt. <laughs> I don't have boogers. <laughs> shirt. It's like these people. I only have palm to tear. <laughs> um. Would you like some of my potatoes? Okay. I'm going to throw up. Um, we finally got the babies <laughs> quiet and you're going to wake them up. Okay. You want some pamplemousse? No! Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, and I love their all the conversations. It's all professional courtesy. And again, I can't wait to talk about John Wick 3. The, oh, we got to get you to see. I, I know we it. have to get you to see this movie before we can do the review. We'll try to do it within the next week. So it'll be a late review, but we'll, we'll talk about it in, in depth. But there's this professional courtesy that all these assassins have. He knows that he's just offed his boss. The, one of, at this point, one of the... I don't know, less than 10 most important people in their entire world. And she's dead. And all he asks them is, uh, it's like, are you, the same question everybody asks him, what, are you working, right? And um, he said, have you had a good night, John? And he's like, I'm afraid so. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, this exchange they have going back and forth, and then just shots start flying. And one of the great things with the John Wick movies, it gets better with each one are these action sequences where there's a thousand people around and he's just shooting them and they don't cut away. It's it's filmed in a way, I, people have to see it. I hope you have if you're listening to this episode because we're spoiling it all for you. But it's filmed in a way where you're seeing all the violence on camera and you'll have like one single shot where he kills like nine people in a row. And it's a different way. That, there isn't a single kill. I, if you count up the body count 
among even one of these John Wick movies. It's got to be one of the highest body counts ever in a single movie. You count up the career body count of John Wick, and it's more people than have ever been killed on screen in, like, even a war movie. And this is one guy, and they'll do it in one take, and the choreography Keanu Reeves would have had to have learned to do this is crazy. And this guy's 50-something now. Like, it's insane. Um, Doesn't matter to me if he's 50-something. Yeah. Uh, he goes on this killing spree, and then it basically, basically escapes in the catacombs, where he's got all of his weapons hidden. And again, some of the, the best fight stuff you'll ever see. I mean, I could say, if I were to rank the, let's say, top 50 greatest fight scenes of all time, I guarantee, or action scenes, fight scenes, John Wick could have, you know, 20% of that list. He could have at least 10 of the top 50 just from John Wick movies. Um, so after the catacombs escape, uh, they, they first fight in the party, then they're fighting the catacombs, and then they make their way out onto the street. And you have the John Wick common fight out on the street. Uh, the best part that uh, I enjoyed out of this was when they're tumbling down the stairs and you see them again in a single shot maybe they did something digitally i don't know but keanu reeves in common throwing each other down three flights of stairs and we're talking like one long staircase going all the way down a single shot it looks spectacular uh they end up back fighting down at the bottom and um uh eventually uh make their way out into right and in what we realize later is right in front of the continental hotel uh they throw each other through a window both have guns to each other's head and then the uh the oh, manager part. here which part i love does the... he take off his clothes or something no i i love the part where um they have uh one guy on one level and one on a lower level there and they have obviously the silencers on that's their guns. much later in the movie is it really? much later we'll get there oh never <laughs> <Okay>. mind <laughs> um we watched this movie like half an hour ago anyways so uh, they're in the Continental, and then the manager of this hotel comes in and says, you know, need I to remind you, you can't do business on Continental Grounds or whatever. And it's like, might I suggest you have a drink at the bar? And they're both like, yes, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Like, they're always so polite to each other. They sit down, they order each other's drinks for them, and then they just, you know, have this quiet conversation, uh, which ends in, obviously, he, you know, he tells them, I didn't have a choice. Uh, it's out that it was Santino that ordered the hit. Uh, Common understands, like, well, you didn't have a choice, John. He goes, uh, I promise I'll make your death quick. And and it's not one of these things like, I'm going to give you a really good zinger. You know, I'll make your death quick, John. It's more like, I promise you'll die quickly and painlessly. And John's like, I promise the same to you. <laughs> it's just so polite. They get up, they walk away. As he's walking away, we see Ares, the uh, mute one there, and she's doing the sign language to John. And this is one of the great things of John Wick movies, all the way back to when Yosef talks about his car at the gas station. When somebody will be speaking another language thinking that John doesn't understand, and he picks up on it. So when she's signing, he signs right back, and she has that, that thing that becomes the running gag here. I'll be seeing you, and John does not if I see you first. Um, John obviously stays there overnight. He says he's going to be staying one night. The next morning, uh, oh, we should quickly talk about the fact that Santino um, uh, placed the call, or John placed the call to him, and he basically says, you know, uh, I thank you for what you did, John, but I hope you understand that uh, I wouldn't be, uh, I, I don't know if he's doing this because, you know, he wants to save face and not have people suspect it, or if he's just being a dick, but he's like, you know, uh, I wouldn't be much of a brother if I didn't avenge my sister's death. So now he's like, John Wick, you're a dead man. <laughs> yeah, because so, it's like already out that he ordered the hit. So like you said, you know, is he just being a dick or is he just trying to save face? Yeah. I think that he's trying to save face. But at the same time, John's told everybody 
He's already telling people that Santino ordered the hit. And in this organization, are they going to care? So I think it is just he wants to take out John Wick. Uh, but everybody, this backfires for everybody. Every time they think they can take him on. Uh, it's a $7 million hit. We see this whole switchboard thing, which is great. Uh, do they have that in the first movie? You know the first movie better than I do. Mm, no. I'm pretty sure they do, like, when they place the $1 million hit. Maybe it's a small glimpse, but you get oh. a lot more of it in this one. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. maybe when they did the hit on John, yeah. Yeah, so the the great thing with this movie is, like, it's all retro and old school, so they call up and there's a, you know, you get, like, an operator on one of those old school switchboards where you have to, like, plug the things in. Something you see in, like, Mad Men, they have to plug the line from one to the other. They've got rotary phones. All the women are dressed those, like they're from really the 19th. 19- old uh, computers to send out all the messages. Old DOS-based computers. Uh, and it's just the style of the movie. And and it, and it would actually make sense because these are things you couldn't necessarily trace, right? Uh, it goes to, eventually gets paged out. They they have files, like big files. They make stamps. I'm like, I love all this stuff. And all the women there, they're all like, you know, most of them like 60, 70 years old. They're covered in these uh, tattoos with all the, the parabellum type sayings on it that all these assassins have. Uh, they're dressed like it's the 1940s or whatever. And they stamp the files. You know, they have the little shoots that carry it, uh, the, the wire transfers. And then eventually, you know, they, they confirm, okay, so that's confirmed, you know, uh, $7 million on John Wick or whatever it is. Um, after this, uh, John goes to the hotel manager, and the hotel manager says, we have a way out of here. You know, you can use the... And it's not like a quick escape. It's like, uh, I'll extend you the courtesy of using our tunnels underneath the hotel so you could leave. And it's like, oh, thank you very much, kind sir. <laughs> it's all so elegant. Um, and John will eventually make his way back to New York City. Anything else uh, that I missed here in the coronation or the Rome sequences? Um, I don't think so. I think he covered it all pretty well. What did they eat? Did anybody eat anything particularly interesting to you? Uh, no, nobody ate anything. They just ordered the drinks. Okay. And the knives and the guns. Uh, so John goes back to New York City now. And, uh, when this hit's going out, that's as he's leaving. And I love that it goes out on the DOS-based computer and it's paging it to all these phones. And it's all these old flip phones they're using. Why again? Because those things wouldn't necessarily be traced. So... Um, Winston shows up at Santino's and he hands him the marker and he's like, you need to close the marker now. And Santino's saying, well, John Wick's dead anyways. You know what happened. And he goes, yeah, you're still closing the marker. So Winston makes him close this marker. Uh, and he then after he's closed the marker, uh, he realizes, you know, it's like, um, so you do know that you're a dead man now, Santino, right? And he goes, I have everybody in New York City looking for John Wick now. $7 million. You honestly think he's not going to die. And then Winston gives this great speech about, you know, you stab the devil in the back. You know, you incinerate the priest in the temple. And it's like, do you honestly think you're going to survive this? That's that big buildup with the the, the Baba Yaga speeches where you realize how dangerous he is. And this is all intercutting with John arriving in New York City. You see all the people answering their phones with the the text that the 7 million contract on John Wick's life. And the first person who takes a crack at it is just some street performer, some young girl playing a violin. And she tries to kill John Wick. And then we got this giant, this giant fat guy who's trying to kill John Wick too. And they're just intercutting back and forth as John Wick's walking through the streets, just trying to get to wherever he's going. People after people attacking him. And this is where you start to see that this whole secret world is not just, you know, people who have uh, their little assassins club. There will be, 
street performance and this and that, just everywhere in public. When you walk down the street, half the people you pass probably are receiving this text, and they're all in on it. And it's it, it's great, this little fight sequence they have. Yes, it's great. You were starting to say something, uh, and then you just added, yeah, it was great. She was the one that was playing the violin, right? Yeah, that's why I called her the violin-playing girl. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't listening. Clearly not. Uh, so there's assassins everywhere. Uh, John Wick. Uh, I don't think. I don't think he has the gun at this point because he uh, kills one guy with a pencil in his ear, and then he kills another guy by standing the pencil up on the table and stabbing through the back of the head with it. So this is back to you know John Wick killed however many men with a pencil, uh, and. Uh, he does get a gun. I think this is where he starts taking guns off of people because now he runs into Common. So amazing shot in this movie. Like I wish that there's every once in a while there's a movie where when you watch it, you're, you're like, I want to take a, a freeze frame of that. I want to take a screenshot and just build. I used to build screensavers from like the Star Wars movies. So I would go through an entire Star Wars movie. I'd take screenshots of all the images I liked. And then I would play it on a loop as my screensaver on my computer. And John Wick, despite just being a movie about people killing each other in New York City, so many great shots. This shot where Common spots him from across the fountain, and then the fountain goes up. Like, you remember that shot? No, I don't remember. Okay, so they're staring at each other after he's killed the other two people. He's staring at Common, Cassian, sorry, Mm -hmm. from across this fountain. And they're just staring at each other for a while before their fight breaks out. And all of a sudden, the fountain water spurts up, and they start firing after the water is blocking their vision. So there's shots being fired on both sides of the fountain. Oh, it's so good. Uh, their little fight goes on as they're, um, uh, you know, going throughout different buildings and stuff like that. Uh, the coolest part in this entire thing, which is what you were mentioning earlier on, was, uh, um, well, first they go into the train station. So I got to mention this. There's a little line in the background that, that you have to listen closely to hear as they're chasing each other into the, the subway tunnels. And you can hear on the PA system as they're shooting each other and, and punching and kicking and trying to stab each other, uh, the, the PA announcer saying something, if you notice any suspicious activity, report it to the MGA immediately. Sorry. Did you fall asleep? Uh, for a second there, I did. Oh. Anyways, let's wrap this up then. Uh, so they have their fight on the train here. Uh does the, the the thing come first? Oh yeah, you were right. The, the shots cross the terminal. That was before the train part. I told so you. when they're in the they're in the the terminal and they're on different levels. So John's on you know a, a balcony walking on the second level. Commons walking on the main level, and they're just firing shots at each other with the silencer. And everybody's walking around around them, not noticing this. Now, great thing again is you could look at that scene two ways. You could say, okay, they've got their silencers on. These guys are such clever hitmen that they could be shooting each other in a crowd of people and nobody knows which we've seen fights like that or you could say all these people are in on it like that's the great thing about the john wick world well the thing is is with that shot too it like um it's really neat because like they don't even pause like for a second they they keep walking while they're shooting and so it's it's just I don't know. It makes it more fun and interesting because they don't even stop for half a second when they're shooting. They they just keep walking and sh- and shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Yeah, and they're they're keeping just a normal pace. They're not changing their posture. It's not like they're walking and then they turn with like a big point of the gun. They're just walking, looking straight, shoot right out of the, you know, look look side glance, look really carefully, turn your gun, shoot. Okay, here's another shot. It's it's amazing. It's one of the coolest visuals of this movie. Um, they eventually end up on the train 
and the train's crowded, and they just keep slowly following each other through this train, again, acting completely normal, and um, as people start to file out, suddenly they start fighting on the train. There's maybe a half dozen people left in their car, and we have this hand-to-hand combat scene. Uh, The people are just watching. This is something I really picked up on the second movie. In the first movie, you see bits and pieces of it, but when there's these fight scenes in public... Even if it is something where the public is responding, there are a couple of times where a fight breaks out and you just see people screaming and running in the background, but they'll never focus on that. It's always just in the background. Because even if, you know, this is a movie that takes place in the world of Secret Assassins, Chad Stahelski, his decision to film this movie as if you're just looking at it from the point of view of these assassins. So if somebody from outside is running, you notice you'll never see a police officer in this movie investigating. Mm -hmm. When the car chases are going on, you might hear sirens in the background, but you'll never see them. Anybody who is not part of this secret world or not in the know, even if you include like the police officer who comes to his house, they're never shown in a close-up image. You never hear one line of dialogue from a person who is not part of this. I've gone through the two movies. I can't wait to rewatch the third movie to see if this holds up. But not one person will either get a close-up on screen or a line of dialogue unless they are part of this organization. Yeah, like it didn't even show um, when he, he had his house burned down. It didn't even, didn't even show the fire department. Exactly. You get the cop who knows who he is, but the firefighters are just in the background somewhere. And when the fight breaks out on the street here with Common, you see people running and screaming in the it background, but it doesn't... Whatever. You see people running and screaming, but it never focuses on them. It's... A, I, I don't know if I could think of another movie that made that type of decision, and that's one of the reasons we get to the end of this. I'm going to say this movie should have gotten a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, I know you said that. I don't know what else it was, would have been competing for that year. Well, we'll, we'll run through that. Um, so in their fight scene, eventually it ends up they're fighting over a knife, and it's a very slow-moving thing when the knife's slowly coming towards John, and then he slowly moves it back towards Cassian. And uh, it ends with John stabbing him. And then the train stops and everybody files out of the train. This is why I was saying never a close-up shot. You don't get any of the reactions from people on the train. But as soon as the train stops, it's clear these people are terrified and they're running. But you don't focus on them. He leaves the knife in. He tells them he's going to leave the knife in, you know, as a professional courtesy because it's in a spot where it's not going to cause him to die. But if the knife gets pulled out, he will bleed to death. And this is going to come up later. Um, John eventually leaves and he finds this homeless man uh, in the su- the subway tunnels and he s- just says take me to him uh, I'm John Wick or whatever and uh, as police are coming who of course don't get a close up uh, this homeless man just starts babbling inane gibberish and you know covering for John Wick uh, so he takes him to of all people Lawrence Fishburne now this was an exciting thing when they first announced this movie that Lawrence Fishburne was going to get cast because the Matrix movies obviously were the biggest thing Keanu Reeves had ever done, although now it's looking like John Wick may end up rivaling that. Uh, obviously, the biggest thing Lawrence Fishburne did, these two guys are just synonymous with each other. And every once in a while, you get an actor who has enough chemistry with somebody or they're so closely associated that it's just acceptable. Like, if they're in a movie together, oh, that's a big deal. This happened with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. You know, in Titanic, it was such a big deal, those two together, that years later they made another movie with Sam Mendes called Revolutionary Road, which was not a good movie. Uh, and in no way. Say, I've never heard of it. It's just 
a, a period drama. It takes place during the '60s about a married couple. Um, it's it's nothing like what Titanic viewers would want, but they made such a big deal about it. Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet reunited. Do you think she's hot? No. Kate Winslet? No. She's even, not my type. Even naked? No. Oh, look at the smile. I mean, yeah, she's not my type, though. Nice body, though, you think? I, I'm sure it's fine, yeah. I'm sure it's fine. Didn't? Yep. Did, no, but isn't she actually naked in the Titanic? I would assume it's her. I mean, unless they digitally replace her face. Well, I don't know. I mean, I never saw it in 3D. So, Oh, no, we did. We had the 3D Blu-ray. That's right. <laughs> um, Reach out and touch it, Colin. No, anyways. Uh... <laughs> No, but nothing against Kate Winslet. I'm just saying, not my type. But uh, anyways, the same big deal was made when Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock reunited for a movie called The Lake House, which you bought and have never watched. I have watched it. That's oh, you a, have? That's okay. A good movie. That's the one where... Ben she, just complained about that a couple of uh, no, weeks ago when we did Speed. that's like time travels or whatever, right? It's sort of a time travel yeah. mailbox thing. Uh, but yeah, Ben was just complaining about that when we were doing the Speed episode. But this was the same big deal where people got really excited that Lawrence Fishburne was going to be in a John Wick movie. And uh, Keanu Reeves had sort of pushed for him to be in this movie. Uh, and I think he had told Lawrence Fishburne, you know, we have a character and I think you'd be really good for this character. And he's like, fine, sign me up. You know, don't even tell him I what it is. He, I think he does really well. And actually, I love his personality that he brings to it. Like... My favorite line in the whole movie, probably of his, is like, "Somebody, please get this man a gun." Yeah, it's it's not Morpheus in any way. I mean, if anything, Keanu Reeves is playing a Morpheus-like character, like very monotone, very serious, uh, very elegant, and this is like the anti-Morpheus. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne is the king of the homeless assassins. They call him yeah. the Bowery King, and um, there's. Little things will come up. I'll mention it later on with when we get back to Winston. But even though you have the world, run, you think this is just you have the high table that governs all of the different factions, the the um, the mafias, the 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 gangs, the triads, all that. And then you think, well, everything else is underneath that. But then you realize there's all these other special things like the Continental. They're just as important as the mafia would be. Uh, you have. The um the the Bowery King and he says it and this he has his own kingdom he is the king, and he's just this guy who patrols the streets he has his homeless people everywhere, and I don't know what they do maybe they're assassins as well they never really get too injured but the main thing that Lawrence Fishburne does is he has all these pigeons he just looks like a homeless man on a roof who has all these pigeons. And he sends these carrier pigeons out it's to take like, messages to people. It's like that that lady in Home Alone with the pigeons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, no, um, it's, it's actually really funny. I don't know if you saw that meme going uh, around, but if you actually look, um, what's that guy's name? Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan, yeah. Yeah, if you actually look really closely. You showed me that, yeah. Yeah, basically it looks like the lady in the yeah. park. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, my favorite moment though in between both of them uh for john wick and the lawrence fishburne character is um and again he's so bloody cool Mm -hmm. when uh lawrence fishburne's like you know telling him that he'll owe him and john john wick's like trust me you don't want me owing you yeah and the, the whole context of the scene here is that john's come to him and said i'm going after santino um i need a gun because john's out of weapons he needs a gun 
And that's what the whole thing is where he's saying, like, you know, do you, do you want to just get me a gun and let me do my business? And he's like, would someone please get this man a gun? And they show him this weapon. They give off the whole fancy name for the weapon. I'm sure it was French because it was too fancy for us to remember. Uh, and then he says, hold seven rounds. And then he gives him, and here are your seven rounds. And John's like, you're giving me seven shots. And he says, seven million dollars on your life? I think that's worth seven bullets. And that's all he has, which is such an awesome setup for the climax because you've made John Wick this unstoppable figure in the first movie. Nobody contested him. And even if you look at the fight scene with Cassian that we just had, he's never actually met somebody that he really struggled to kill. Mm -hmm. And in part three, we may finally get that. But... Uh, with this he has his limitations it's exactly they 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 in the first one the audience didn't know what they were getting with john wick so you were going to be more invested in, and not just be like oh well john wick is going to get out of this one how do you put john wick in a situation where you think he can't get out of it well in the first one he took on the entire russian mob in this one he's taking on somebody who has a seat at the high table and that enough it, it, that's enough for just the stakes of well john wick can't get out of this one surely but you add to that you're gonna go in there with one surely. of the most that's a terrible joke <laughs> and you just spat on me again like can you keep your freaking saliva in your mouth one <laughs> Pop de terre. <laughs> stop saying that sorry okay stop stop you see, now that I pointed out your list, you're going to list the Would whole rest of the episode. stop making fun of my very, very subtle, hardly noticeable lisp? <laughs> hardly noticeable okay, lisp. Now you, but now when you bring it to my mind, I, I become more conscious of it, and it actually sounds, sounds worse, see? <laughs> Jimmy, you you know what? In today's day and age, like you can't pick on somebody with a speech impediment, okay? You don't have a speech impediment. What do you call a lisp? Everybody has a little bit of a lisp. Do they? Yeah, everybody does. Then why is it a joke to you, Jamie? <laughs> it's not. It's just it's funny because you really don't have one. And then when somebody points it out, you just can't stop saying it. Um, A speech <laughs> defect, which is S is pronounced like TH in thick or Z is pronounced like TH in this. So you said it's not a speech impediment, but according to this, it is. No. Anyways, it says it's a defect. In not case a nobody listened to our other episodes where Jamie decided to make fun of somebody's disability, uh, <laughs> stop! So now you're hitting me. You're spitting on me, hitting me, and making fun of somebody who's got a disability. <laughs> so when I was young, up until I was about five or six, I had a bad lisp, and uh, not like terrible, but I did have one. And I went through speech therapy, and they corrected it. But still, to this day, you can hear the slight th sound coming out. Combined, it's like a th combined with an it's s. Like a s- yeah, oh, yeah. Like a snake. Okay, stop making fun of people. Stop. <laughs> stop. Stop spitting on me. <laughs> That's the fourth time. You're married to me. You're stuck with me for life. Now these babies made it true. That's terrible. Um, okay, so let's uh, quickly run through the Wait, ending here. Wait, hold on. You wouldn't be stuck with me with just Casper? Now that we have Well, he is still more? a baby. No, but now that we have three kids, you're stuck with me now only just because we have the twins? Sure, okay, if it'll get this, then no, I don't know. What will get this episode over and done with before these babies wake up? Okay, what's next? What's next? Okay, so you get into the climax. So he goes in there with only seven bullets, and he runs out of them very quickly. Um, and uh, everybody, this is another one of these ones where everybody clears out. John Wick walks into the room. Uh, he's all. Be- I always love to watch John Wick walk into one of these rooms, and he's got blood 
all over his shirt. He's got cuts and bruises all over his body, and nobody gives him a second look. Um, but when he walks in here, people know who he is, and they know the deal with Santino. And the whole room just sort of slowly opens up. Everybody takes a step back, and you have this crowd making a circle around John and Santino in just dead silence. And then suddenly that entire crowd just all storms in on John Wick, and again, you get one of those great moments where he's killing nine or ten people in a row all in one shot. Um, uh, this goes to another one of these incredible locations that you get uh, when they go into the... Because this is Santino's home base is sort of this big fancy museum, and you get this museum exhibit, which is just a showcase of lights and mirrors. We have one of these here at the Manitoba Museum. Or, have you gone through that? Or is that the Children's Museum? I can't remember. Pretty sure it's the Children's. Yeah, it's like, you know... You're going through rooms where there's glass, there's mirrors, there's lights, and it's all just supposed to be disorientating. And uh, the the whole fight scene, the final climax, takes place in here as he's fighting off all of the henchmen uh, through the lights and mirrors. And uh, again, visually, I've never seen a movie look like this before. Like you think John Wick is just your average action movie, and it's not in any way. Um, you get him having another knife fight with Ruby Rose here. And uh, he does something else interesting here, too. Now, after she's beaten down, she's shot and she's beaten down, she gives the same sign language for be seeing you. And he replies back with, sure. <laughs> now, we now have two people that he's left alive in this movie. That's not a John Wick thing to do. And they also have not come back in John Wick 3. So when are we going to see Common and Ruby Rose again? Are we going to see them? Is that's, this That's uh, actually a good point. Yeah, and... I don't think I really know. It wasn't that clear that I noticed it until I watched one, two, and three back to back and realized that he kills everybody. He leaves nobody alive, regardless of you know who they are, if they've done anything wrong to him. So why does he leave these two alive here? I mean, the professional courtesy of Common, you could say he's a friend of his. Aries here, she's not a friend in any way. Why does he leave her alive? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, sequel setup maybe, but it, it it has you excited with each movie. They've got all these little things. When is the car coming back? When are these henchmen coming back? It keeps it keeps you watching. Um, Santino, uh, uh, as we go through this fight in the mirror, Santino storms into the Continental Hotel now, uh, and he's basically saying to Winston, I want uh, all of John Wick's privileges revoked. He's basically putting his foot down, and Winston saying, this is my kingdom Back to what I was saying about how it's not just all the mobs that have that these are all the controls. The hotel business is its own kingdom. The homeless world is its own kingdom. I'm sure that um, the, the convenience store industry is its own kingdom. <laughs> these these little secret uh, factions everywhere. And he's saying, you know, this is mine and mine alone. Um, when we do get to part three, Winston's role will have a lot to do with that line about this kingdom's mine because obviously something happens in this movie that's going to set him up a bit. Uh, and he's basically saying, well, John Wick has done nothing legally wrong in the Continental's eyes. And he's saying, you know what? You're going to do this. And he's like, no, I'm not Santino. <laughs> Sit down. Uh, and you basically have them. It's like, it's like he's throwing a tantrum. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but the great thing about Santino is he's not Yosef. I love Yosef. I mean, I love Yosef more than Santino, but he is powerful in no way do you expect that he's going to win in a fight. In no way is he ever intimidating. He's just, I'm a powerful man. You're going to do what I say. And he has this confidence that's not cocky. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give him credit for that as the villain. Uh, John eventually walks into the Continental. And Santino's having a meal. He's eating, which looks like potato wedges with duck. Um, duck fat. Duck, he says duck fat makes all the difference. That's a French thing, I guess. Um, 
Couldn't tell you. Uh, and he's essentially saying, listen, you can't touch me here, John. This is holy ground. Back to the first, the Highlander stuff of the first movie. Uh, so, uh, you know, I can stay here as long as I want to. In fact, it's quite comfortable here. And he's going on and on about how I'll be here forever and you're never going to get me. And John... Yeah, he was saying, he was saying like, uh, he's like taunting him saying have you seen the menu here he's like yeah a, a, a man can stay here for a very long time and never eat the same meal twice mm-hmm. yeah and and you get like john wick would be frustrated with this but there's not even a hesitation here's one of the other smart decisions you could have john sitting there having a five minute long conversation with him and then eventually saying i'm gonna pull the truth holding the gun to his head for a long time he's just sitting there santino talks for about you know 30 seconds John pulls out a gun and just shoots him, and that's it. You have the big villain in the movie cut down like that. It's such a good surprise. And then just Winston's response, John, what have you done? And you get how serious it is. Uh, He does nothing. He just says, I finished it. And he walks over to Sharon, the concierge. What would you want to call him instead of a concierge? Receptionist. He's not a receptionist. (laughs) What? This is the most powerful man in a hotel. A concierge, they, they probably make like, I don't know, six figures a year in some hotels. And you just call him a receptionist. He's the secretary. <laughs> uh, a hole in my pants. Okay, you're getting distracted. Let's wrap this up. Uh, Keanu Reeves hasn't killed anybody in 10 seconds. Jamie's is distracted. Uh, so he goes up to Patron. He takes the dog and he goes, oh, it was my pleasure. He says, come on, boy, let's go home. So he takes the dog back to his house, the rubble of his house. It's raining, it's soaked, he's digging, he's finding the picture and stuff like that. And Sharon's there immediately. Like, John's probably there for five minutes. And he's like, come with me, sir. And John goes willingly. Like, he has respect for this. They take him to, I'm guessing this is supposed to be Central Park. They go down these uh, flight of stairs or in the middle of this this courtyard. And Winston's now there telling him, the contract's been doubled on you, John. It's now up to $14 million, and you're now excommunicado, which is all your services are cut off, not just for a continental business, but everything. This is what happened to uh, the, the um, I forget her name, the female assassin in the first movie that we loved. Perkins. Perkins, yeah. So this is what happened to Perkins, and they just pulled the trigger on her. Uh, and he's like, you know, I- I'm going to give you a chance, John. I'm giving you a one-hour head start. Uh, this is a very Dark Knight ending. Did you notice the similarities between this and the Dark Knight? No. Okay, so the Dark Knight ends the same way. Uh, somebody dies. Somebody has to take the fall for it. And the the good guys, just we have um, Commissioner Gordon in the first one, or okay. in the Dark Knight. And in this one, it's Winston saying, you are going to take the fall for this, Bruce slash John. But we're going to give you a head start. You better start running because we're coming for you. And that's how the movie ends. Very Dark Knight ending, but yet it's just different enough that it doesn't look like a ripoff. Uh, he gives him a one-hour head start. Uh, John Wick essentially runs off with his dog. But before that, he has another one of these great Keanu Reeves lines uh, when he tells him, okay, you, you get... Oh, let's not forget. Everybody in the park just stops. This is where you see more of the reach of this organization. Right before Winston starts talking to him, all the people who are walking their dogs through the park, picking flowers, you know, commuting to work, whatever it is, they they just all stop as if time stops. It's an incredible visual. And then he he tells them, it's like, uh, you know, uh, you tell whoever comes after me, whoever it is, that I'll kill them. I'll kill them all. (laughs) It's so incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. And 
John Wick starts walking away, not even running. He's got one hour head start. He starts walking away uh, with his dog, named Dog, at his side. Uh, and Winston makes the call to accounts payable. We get that old school rotary dial, DOS system, file stamping thing, contract on John Wick, effective in one hour. The end of John Wick Chapter 2. Uh, John Wick Chapter 3 will literally pick up probably minutes after this, just like the second one picked up minutes after the first one. Uh, anything parting you want to say on the end of this movie, Jamie? <laughs> Nothing. Why are you laughing? Uh, nothing. Did you notice a hole in your sock as well? I'm not wearing socks. So what's funny? Nothing. This is a podcast. I know. Okay. Wow. You know, if Jamie's, if Jamie does not want to say it on air, can you imagine how bad or embarrassing this must be? This is the woman who, on one of her first episodes, uh, decided to tell people that she was sniffing her bra or whatever it was you were doing. <laughs> You were checking out your own boobs. You were sniffing your bra. You told people on John Wick Chapter 1 that you were having cramps. Uh, you told people on John Wick Chapter 1 that you fell over and couldn't get up. You told people on John Wick Chapter 1 that you farted on air. <laughs> I was just going to say, wrap it up because I have to fart. Oh, come on. And now you're doing it again. This is the John Wick tradition. Jamie Fart. Can we just go back for a second? We have the babies are not here right now. You took them up as I was talking at one point. Um, but we have babies crying on the air here. When we were still back doing the Survivor Oz, uh, at the end of Ko Rong, one of the last episodes of Ko Rong, Rossi and I recorded an episode, and you had to go to the bathroom. You were taking care of Casper, who was I think a week old or just at the hospital at this point. Uh, you just came and dumped on my lap. As I'm ending the episode, I'm like 60 seconds away from ending. I'm like, all right, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. And you can hear like a pause. Uh, like us on Facebook. I'm doing my whole thing. And all of a sudden, Casper, who been quiet the whole time, starts crying. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And Ross is like, oh, listen, the baby's crying. And Casper's ah, ah, pfft, ah. And you hear Casper fill his diaper live on the air. Um... Who would have thought that it wouldn't be one of our children who would fill their diaper next? But Jamie, live on the air. <laughs> uh, let's wrap up John Wick chapter two. You got to give some type of comment on the end of this movie here. Well, it's amazing, of course. I mean, again, he's so cool, and you just wonder, like, is he? You know, is he going to kill them all? Like, what's going to happen next? It, it's such a great well, cliffhanger. If you had seen John Wick chapter three, you would know. Um, I haven't. Thanks a lot for throwing it in my face that I have to stay home with all the babies because they're attached to my boobs. Okay, well, um, let's uh, run through the box office and stuff like this. Uh, And I need to bring up the reviews because apparently that tab closed on my computer. This is how we stall live on air. Jamie, would you want to say something? Uh, No. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for the help there. Uh, Pample mousse and palm de terre <laughs> recipes. Excellent. Uh, anyways, John Wick Chapter 2 comes out. Let's do the reviews first. So the first one got uh, pretty good reviews. I think it was in the 70s on Rotten Tomatoes. This one is an 89. So even reviews-wise, this backs up my claim of it being one of the greatest sequels ever made. Because the jump from 1 to 2 is very significant. Uh, and... Um, uh, even just the audience response when oh oh uh, <laughs> not the only one passing gas on the air mine just comes out the other end uh even the audience response is up from the first movie we're not going to go through re- 
Woo! I got the hiccups now too. I basically am a baby. I'm burping, burping and hiccuping on the air. You know the twins? They they're constantly hiccuping. Maybe that's where they get it from, as you. Apparently, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, I'm not gonna run through all the reviews because Jamie needs to fart. Apparently. <laughs> Already done. Oh. <laughs> it's too late. Sorry. Box office. The first one made somewhere in the forty million dollar range. Open with fourteen million. This one basically doubled it in every single way. So, uh, opening weekend is $30 million. Let's run through the competition there was that week- weekend, because this came out February. And and by the way, okay, this is like a rabbit trail, rabbit hole, whatever. It's a rabbit hole, yeah. Um, people out there, anybody that's listening, you know that you have a really good relationship, and you're really close, and it's going to all work out in the end if you can fart in front of each other. <laughs> um... I don't know if I would agree with that, but okay. No, it's true. If, like, you can't fart in front of each other or, like, take a dump in front of each other, then seriously, are you even meant to be? <laughs> That's like, how John and Helen... I was just gonna John say, Wick and like, Helen they, Wick... They took dumps in front of each other all the time, I bet. <laughs> That's how he could never replace... That's why a dog is the only one that could replace Helen. How else would John find somebody who's willing to defecate right in front of him other than an animal? Well, no, but really, it's like the most natural things, like, ever. <laughs> I guess breathing and pooing are the two and I natural mean, it's, things. It's not like, you know, when, like, you fart or whatever. Like, I just, like, I enjoy it. And I just, <laughs> can we wrap up this episode? No, I'm saying it's not like I enjoy it or I take a big whiff. Like, oh, God. it's it's not like that but it's just like oh okay whatever it's just it's natural okay anyways um <laughs> this is what motherhood does like you just become shameless with everything and um i also grew up with seven brothers and i have three boys of my own now yeah so get used to people thinking dumps in front of you i don't know uh so this movie did $92 million overall, almost cracked $100 million, coming off of a movie that was just moderately successful. Crazy the increase in business here. Uh, But yet, believe it or not, it did not even open at number one or two at the box office. John Wick Chapter 3, this must have been like a truckload of money coming in for the studios this weekend. It opens number three in its opening weekend with $30 million. Now, it's almost unheard of nowadays for a movie to even open in second place. If you have two movies that are making over $30 million, that's a crazy weekend. Here we had John Wick Chapter 2 making $30 million, Fifty Shades Darker making $46 million, and the Lego Batman movie making $53 million. All three were in their opening weekend. Theater owners made a ton of money that weekend. Uh, Split was in its fourth weekend at number four. That was the first time it was out at number one. Hidden Figures was at number five. There's a great movie. Love Hidden Figures. Uh, so box office, rest of it for the top ten. Let's go. A Dog's Purpose. I know the sequel to that just came out. That's crazy. The John Wick 2 and uh, Dog's Purpose have their sequels come out the same weekend. Rings, the disastrous reboot of Ring. Lullaland, number 8. Lion in 9. And Sing in number 10. So this is around the uh, Oscar time, I guess. Um, do we want to go through any reviews here? No. Nah. nah, let's give our reviews then. Uh, we got to get to the plot keywords as well. But uh, while I'm pulling up some plot keywords here, Jamie... Uh, you gonna? I already know what the answer is. In fact, we didn't record this. Uh, ben had asked after the first episode went up because he keeps track of all these things. Whether w- ratings that we had for the first John Wick, and I felt like laughing and saying um, it wouldn't be anything other than a buy. 
but I did go as far as we haven't read John Wick two yet, but it will be a buy. Is that fair to say that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really need you to stall better for me, Jamie, because I can't find these plot keywords here. Um, I haven't seen the third one, but I'm very, <laughs> I'm very jealous that you were able to go. But I, I know I'll be able to go soon. Does he take his shirt off at all in the third movie? I don't. Th- I don't think so. Not that I remember. Um, I know it's not about that, but seriously, <laughs> seriously, like, do I need to send these people an email or a letter complaining, asking for more skin? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we always see him in his shower scene because they always show his like his huge tattoo on his back and all that. But they so. need to like pan down, you know. Oh, shameless. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, like on on a man. And this is going to sound so dirty, but it's it, it's not, like I swear. On a man, the the waist down is the best parts on a guy. And I'm not talking about even his private parts. Honestly, like, okay, that's fun, whatever. But oh. but no, but seriously, like, uh, if a man does not have, like, nice legs with some muscle there, if he's got, like, thick legs, I am not interested. And he has to have a nice butt. I don't care about, like, abs or, like arm muscles or whatever and again like the sure those are nice or whatever but seriously if he doesn't have a nice lower half i am not interested good to know for everybody out there who wants to know what jamie's type is um so obviously then you have very nice lower half otherwise i wouldn't be with you thank you let's just start working on the upper half then (laughs) you're all you're all good honey all right um so let's go to plot keywords here what are the months just as a reminder we always go to imdb the plot keywords these are just the the things that they can link multiple movies of uh it should be simple things like i don't know action film or um aging action star jerry action whatever uh mafia secret society you'll get those but there's some great ones in here like stabbed in the hand month coming soon to the odds network because we are going to be doing a month on but next year one of our months is gonna be based on one of these uh driving a wrecked car month that one be fine pouring a drink month do you want to see pouring a drink month on the Oz Network? Um, it, again, it all depends on what other movies are under that. Okay, well, let's click on this one because I really am looking forward to Dog on a Bed Month. Um, we have John Wick Chapter Two, Lazarus Effect, Crimson Tide, and City of Angels. Hey, that's not a bad month. You could do that, right? I like City of Angels. What a Crimson I mean, Tide? I've never seen it, but. Uh, <gasps> But Nicolas Cage, though, I, I like him. I, I know some people make fun of him, but he has some really good movies like The Family Man and City of Angels and stuff like that. But then he has those movies that, what's the one with the bees that we always make fun of? Not the bees, not the bees! He's like, oh my god, oh yeah, my god! The Wicker Man. <laughs> it's so funny, it's so stupid. Um, one hour head start month. Uh, that could be a fun one. Uh, what do we have? Do we have anything else on that one? Let's see, let's pull it up here. John Wick Chapter 2, the only movie with one hour head start. So we just completed one hour head start week here on the Oz Network. Uh, you want to find one more here, Jamie? Sure. You, you scan through this and uh, you tell me when you see something that really catches your fancy. Watch, it's going to be like naked from the waist down month on the Oz Network. <laughs> tell me if you're seeing anything here. Uh, Hold on. Gash month. You're not a fan of gash. What's me? cobblestone? Cobblestone. It's 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 oh, ugly, ugly woman. That one ugly woman. Wait, there's an ugly woman month. <laughs> oh, there we go. We may have a front runner. 
boy. Ugly woman. I want to see what's under political correctness month coming. From, I can't. I can't wait to see the promotion. Like coming soon to the Oz Network. Ugly woman month. A ladybird. <laughs> John Wick chapter two. Ladybird misery and rat race. Uh, so maybe ugly woman month. Who's the ugly woman in this movie? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I asked you if you thought that Gianna girl was hot, and you said no. I, again, it's just she's not my type. Yeah. I'm not saying she's unattractive. I wouldn't call her ugly woman, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the ugly woman is. Um. Anyways, one of those will be coming soon. Ugly woman month. Uh, we have... There's a lot of TV episodes on here. I've scrolled too far. Uh... Oh, we went through that already. Never mind. <laughs> I'm like, Rat Race Misery? This came up in the last one. Uh, anyways, we're both buying this movie. It's a given. Of course. Uh, what's to come after this? Now, again, I'll, I'll go back to what I was saying. We walked out of this, and I said, this is the greatest sequel I've ever seen. Um, I, no joke, at the end of our 2017, I said that, you know, when Ben and I were going over which movies do you think should have or could have gotten a Best Picture nomination, I said, legitimately, I thought John Wick Chapter 2 deserved to be nominated for Best Picture. Uh, this movie is that good. It's that solid. It's 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 different than anything you've seen before. And I'm not saying, okay, is this The Godfather or Lawrence of Arabia? No. But if you have the Best Picture nominees and you can throw a movie like Black Panther in there, which is an average superhero movie... If it was the greatest superhero movie ever, even still, fine. You throw in that in because it's a superhero movie. You get something like Toy Story 3 getting nominated or up for Best Picture. You know, okay, we're honoring, you know, uh, this genre that doesn't normally get honored. I think that John Wick is that movie that should be in there for pure action movies because it is also so deep. It's so subtle. It's so stylish. It's just amazing. So the other movies that were nominated for Best Picture this year, The Shape of Water, which won Best Picture, Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, I easily would say that that would beat John Wick in a Best Picture contest. But overall, if I'm looking at even my favorite movies, like best movies, hands down, this is probably going to make my top ten list for oh, this year. But if we end up doing like we're planned to at the end of the year, like a top 20 for the decade, I wouldn't be surprised if John Wick Chapter 2 made my top 20 best for the decade. Uh, favorite, this is my favorite movie from the last decade. Prior to this, the last time there was a movie that I was this much in love with was Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And you know, what? what's the rule in our house with Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? You can't watch it after a certain hour, otherwise you won't go to bed. Yeah, exactly. I'm basically a child when it comes to Scott Pilgrim. It's like caffeine for you. It is, yeah. And John Wick Chapter 2 is very similar. Um, There's just this thing about this movie where, even when we finish watching it, I'm like, oh, I want to watch it tonight. I want to watch it tonight. Uh, So, I don't know. Don't be surprised if I put John Wick Chapter 2 on as much as you put it on John Wick Chapter 1. But uh, let's wrap this up. What's coming next? Uh, John Wick Chapter 3, duh. Yeah, that is what's coming next. So we wanted to get the review out for this weekend, but obviously we came home with some twins, and they're a whole lot of work. So that's been delayed a little bit. But um, the review, I did go see it. You allowed me to go. I took Casper to daycare so that you weren't stuck with three kids. You had the twins, and I went to go see John Wick Chapter 3 so Casper could spend some time in daycare and out of the house. Uh, And it was spectacular. I'm not going to give away too much. I will say of the three John Wick movies... On first viewing, I'd probably rank it as my bottom of the three, but like barely. I mean, it, it's it's such an incredible movie. It is definitely one of the more, it's, it's the most fun of the John Wick movies. Uh, there's a lot 
of the stylized stuff you get in this movie is not quite as dark. I think considering the subject matter that now what we have in John Wick Chapter 3 is he's excommunicado, he's on the run, it's everybody out to get him, what do you do? I was worried that they introduced Halle Berry into the movie, that it would just be John Wick and Halle Berry team up. She's really in one section of the movie, the equivalent of the Rome sequence is when he goes to Casablanca in this one, she's in that sequence of the movie and then is just gone. Uh, you do get some returning favorites, even from the first John Wick movie, which I'll tease that. Some small cameos from past characters that we haven't seen in John Wick Chapter 2 come back in 3. Um, fight scenes may even top this as far as just the spectacle goes. I think stylistically and artistically, the fight scenes in 2 are still the best. But maybe the single best kill in, in essentially the opening sequence of the movie. Maybe the best kill John Wick's ever had. And it's with an object that you would not expect a person to be able to be killed with. So a couple of teases there. We're going to get you to see that movie very soon. And then we're going to be back to do uh, spoiler-free, maybe, or maybe spoiled review Whoa. Whoa. of John Wick Chapter 3. So anything else you want to add in closing, Jamie? She's dead. <laughs> All right. So make sure to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to us on uh, Stitcher iTunes. Yeah, but don't look for me. I don't need any more friend requests, please. Yes, please leave Jamie alone. Um, we're also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, uh, wherever you can find podcasts. We're there somewhere. Uh, we'll be back to talk about the Disney Live Action Month after that, which is we're going to be taking another month off here, waiting for Disney Live Action Month, which we're going to be. We'll let you know now. We're going to be doing uh, Maleficent, Beauty and the Beast. If you ever want to hear me and Ben talk about Beauty and the Beast live action remake, you're in for a treat. Uh, and as well. Um, the Jungle Book and the original Lion King all leading up to the Lion King's release Uh, and then lots more fun stuff to come after that Terminator and Star Wars before the end of the year but anyways we will be back eventually Um, my name is Colin and uh, Jamie farted my name is Jamie and I farted thank you for listening to the Oz Network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at theoznetwork.net 